the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sin promises pleasure. Sin promises satisfaction. But yet nothing satisfies, right? Haven't you figured that out yet? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are going to continue in the book of James, chapter 1, picking up around verse 13 in a message titled, Life Has Many Turns. Turns, yes, life is full of turns. We turn some things on, and other things we turn off. Just like when we turn on and off the sprinklers, we turn on and off the radio. We also don't just turn things, but we make turns, like driving on the streets of Los Angeles, as we change directions in our cars, especially when we drive past where we're supposed to turn. You ever go, oh, that was my turn right there, and you drive past, you know. And then there's other turns, like when we, uh, when it's our turn to talk, you know. We listen, and then we talk. We have a dialogue with someone. Or when it's our turn to take out the trash or walk the dog. Then there are times when we need to turn and change direction in maybe how we're walking in our life. That when we, that's when we find ourselves, you know, uh, traveling in as a person. Why is this? Because there are a lot of obstacles in life. And we, talk, we have to change our direction in life sometimes. You know, lots of twists and turns that we can encounter in life itself. Some encounters can be filled with hardships and pain that we run into, yet many times those are the only times that we actually learn real lessons in life. Understand, many lessons in life don't come from arriving at a destination. The lessons all come from the journey that get us there. That's why when we come to a dead end in life, the best thing that we can do is make a U-turn because two wrong turns never leads to a right turn. But two right turns could change everything in our lives. Yes, we are used to making turns. The only question is this, are you making more right turns in life or are you making more wrong turns in life? It was Yogi Berra, that's not Yogi the Bear and his friend Boo Boo, just so you know. Uh, This is uh, the famous baseball player that played for the New York Yankees. He said this quote, if you don't know where you're going, you might wind up someplace else. Yeah, that's true. A lot of wisdom in that. And that someplace else might not be where God wants you to be. Again, everybody makes turns in life. Some are for the worse. We see this with celebrities like Martha Stewart. She went to federal prison because she lied. Britney Spears has taken a lot lot of wrong turns in her life, and she lost her right to make her own choices. 
along with other celebrities like Charlie Sheen and Lindsay Lohan. They made a lot of wrong turns. They've never fully recovered either. What about some of our sports stars that made wrong turns? Lance Armstrong and Tiger Woods? Yeah. Yes, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're famous or if you're not. We can all make wrong turns. And today, as we continue in this series, Practical Christian Living, we have to look back now for a moment on where we started last week when we started this series. Our message title last time was The Reality of Life. We looked at the trials and the hardships that we face in this life and how God, through his mercy, through his grace, works in the midst of our hardships. He never leaves us alone. Yet he causes us to grow and mature through these difficult times. Now, we stopped at verse 12 with, as we persevere through all the hardships of life, that God will reward us eternally with what he called the crown of life. Meaning, the man or the woman who somehow is able to endure under trial or the one who abides, the one who remains, or the one that who holds fast to their faith in Christ in the midst of misery, in the midst of darkness that comes with those trials that many times are filled with pain. We're told that those believers in Christ who make it through that we can have victory in Christ. And in the end, that we will receive when we get to heaven, a crown of life. That's, again, a crown given to those who overcome the temptations on this side of heaven, those who endure the trials this side of heaven through the power of God's love. Remember, all believers have eternal life. If you're a Christian, you have eternal life. But only a few believers, when we get to heaven, will receive this particular crown. And as you know, our difficulties and hardships in life, well, they only last for a season and they'll end as soon as this life, this side of heaven is over. But the crown of life, that crown will last for all eternity. Let's not forget what the Bible says in Psalm 94, 14. He says, for the Lord will not abandon his people. Isn't that a great promise? God will not abandon us. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what goes on, God will not ever, ever abandon us. And now, as we pick up again in the book of James, chapter 1, in light of our title, Life Has Many Turns, we will consider three points. Number one, turning from enticements, turning from the temptations that surround all of us as we live on this side of heaven. We're all tempted. And how do we turn from those enticements? Number two, turning with humility. It's humbling ourselves before God. It's understanding that, yes, we could all fall at any given moment because all of us have what's known as feet of clay, meaning that we could slip and stumble at any time. And number three, turning to God's word. How do we gain the strength to fight the battles that we fight on this side of heaven? It's all in God's word. Well, Let's look at our first point, turning from enticements. As we pick up from where we left off last time, we left off in James chapter 1, verse 12. So we'll pick up in verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, 
and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away, him or her, and carried away and enticed by their own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. Wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So, well, let's start unpacking here. Now, as you know, we all live in a world of blame shifting. It wasn't my fault. It was, it was someone else. They did it. It was someone else. It started in the beginning with the very first human beings. It was Adam and Eve, the very first man and the very first woman in the Garden of Eden. Eden means paradise. So we had the first man, the first woman in a place of paradise. And they had the run of the place. They could do whatever they wanted. They frolicked around naked. Everything was great in the Garden of Eden. They could do everything they wanted except one thing. Now, we know the Bible has commandments. In fact, we think of the Ten Commandments. But actually, if you look at the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, there's actually 613 laws that we're subject to. But yet in the Garden of Eden, there wasn't 613 laws. There wasn't the Ten Commandments. Just one thing. Don't eat of this one tree. That was it. See, God didn't create Adam and Eve as robots. God made them and us in his image. But as you know, Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit. The one thing that they weren't supposed to do, the garden was filled with all kinds of fruit. Fruit, maybe fruit that we've never even seen before. Everything was there. But they ate of the one that they shouldn't. And we, along with all humanity, have continued to eat of the forbidden fruit. The things that God doesn't want us to do. The very day that Adam and Eve ate of it, God came walking down in the Garden of Eden. Great, of all days, why are you coming now? And God said, Adam, where art thou? As if God didn't know. And he was hiding behind the willy bushes. Uh, I'm over here. Well, what are you doing over there hiding? Well, I was naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Uh, Well, and so at that moment, God asked him, Did you eat of the tree that I command you not to eat of as if God didn't know? But he was given an opportunity for him to repent. And Adam repented immediately. He confessed his sin before God. He fell on the ground and said, oh God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for eating of the the forbidden fruit. Uh, No, that's not what happened. (laughs) He did not repent. Actually, what happened was quite the opposite. He fired back at God as he pointed at his wife Eve and said, it was the woman that you gave me. 
See, so really, it was not just a blame shift. It was a double barrel blame shift. It was not, it was the woman that you gave me. Oh, okay. So, I mean, what he was saying was, you know, hey, God, everything was fine in the Garden of Eden. I was all by myself. And then all of a sudden, I fall into this deep sleep, and I wake up, and boom, there's a naked woman in front of me. And everything went downhill from that point. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So he not only threw his wife under the bus, but he also blamed God. That's when God looked at Eve and said, well, Eve, you know, what is this that you have done? And the woman, she pointed to the serpent and said, the devil made me do it. It's not my fault. It's that little slimy little serpent there. How many times have we said that? It it wasn't my fault. The, The devil made me do it. Well, not much, as you know, has changed today. That's why God makes it very perfectly clear that when we sin, it's because we chose to sin. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't create temptations or trials. The fallen world of man that has rejected God as their savior has plenty of both temptations and trials. Since the world has rejected the very God who made us and created us. It is amazing to me how people can go through life with very little thoughts uh, or very little devotion to God. Maybe they go to church occasionally. Uh, They don't read the Bible daily. They don't pray daily. They live, you know, with their own sin in their lives and and they know what those things are, but they don't care. They kind of cover them up. But as soon as the bottom drops out, as soon as the fire comes down in their life, as soon as life turns upside down for them, they turn with their fist pointed towards heaven and they blame God. Why are you doing this to me? What have I ever done wrong? (laughs) What have you done right? (laughs) Might be the better question, but that's a whole nother story in itself. But yet God is very forthright. God is very truthful to all of us concerning sin. He tells us exactly what happens when we, you and me, sin. He said in verse 14 that it starts when you and me are tempted. It's when we're enticed by what? Our lusts. Because we all have something that draws us, you know, something like, I mean, it's just like, you know, for Fred Flintstone, it was the, the smell of brontosaurus steaks, you know, it would just, he would start smelling and you're thinking, who the heck is Fred Flintstone? Okay, I'm dating myself. But, but the point is this, we're all allured by something. We're enticed. It's, you know, and, and let me just say this. It is not sin to be tempted. There's all kinds of temptations out there, right? A temptation comes like, whoa, oh, there's temptation. It's not sin to be tempted. It's only sin when we fall and give in to that temptation. Plus, we're not all tempted by the same things, right? What might be a temptation for you might not be a temptation for me. There are many areas of my life that I simply don't deal with anymore, like partying. I mean, it used to be. After my parents got divorced at 16, my whole thought was, where's the next party? I mean, it was always like, you know, the the whole thing, you're always talking, hey, who's got the party going on on Friday? Where's the party on Saturday? You have this whole connection of friends. Like, where's the party? It's always, where's the party? And I just remember party, 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 party. But then I came to know Christ as my Savior. But, you know, that was like some 44 years ago. So now it's like, you know, the party lifestyle, sorry, that's not a temptation to me. 
Yes, let's go out and get totally wasted, completely slammed, you know, wake up with a hangover, want to throw up. It's like, I'm sorry. That's no temptation to me. Let's party. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No temptation. Zero. Nada. Nothing to me. But there's other things that are tempting. So know this. It doesn't mean that all the past temptations are gone. It just means that now we must heed the warnings of God because you have some things that are not tempting to you, but there's other things that are tempting to you. So we have to heed the word. And I love what we're told in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. He says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So if you think, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm not tempted anymore, and I don't sin, uh, yeah, how about not? He says, take heed, least you fall. Take heed, be careful. Don't think that you've got everything conquered. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I, I, I got this. I, I got Famous last words, uh-huh. It's like, yes, about the time that I think I have total victory in every aspect of sin in my life is about the time that I do something really stupid and I fall on my face. Understand, when we sin, it's just that. We sin. Notice how it happens. Look at verse 14 again. It's when we're carried away, or as the King James Bible says, when we're drawn away, carried away or drawn away. That word carried or drawn away in the original language comes from a hunting term. It refers to a baited trap. Hunters will use traps that have bait in them. The bait does what? It allures an animal to the trap. The prey in turn is tricked by the bait. Oh, there's a T-bone steak hanging in there. Boom, he goes for it, only to find themselves ensnared within the trap. Verse 14 goes on to say, it's when we're enticed. Now, this is a fishing term, which means, again, to catch with bait. As you know, fishermen many times will use live bait, whether it's a live smaller fish or it's a worm, but it's moving on the end of a hook. What does it do? It entices the fish. Oh, look at that little squiggly thing. And the fish will come up and they'll bite into the bait. But when they bite into the bait, what do they get? They get the hook too. And once the hook is set in that fish, they're done. And that's exactly what happens to us. What does sin do? Sin promises pleasure. Listen, the Bible says, look, sin is pleasurable for a season. If it wasn't so pleasurable, we wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, like, if every sin of committing adultery was followed by, yes, it's going to destroy your family, going to destroy your spouse, going to destroy your children, and it's going to destroy you. You would look at that and say, oh, no way. But it doesn't look like that. All it looks like is, Okay, I get goosebumps. I was with someone at work and we reached down to grab something and our hands touched and I shot at my arm. It must be my soulmate. Oh, that doesn't happen with my mate anymore. So uh, maybe this is my soulmate. So what does sin do? Sin promises pleasure. Sin promises satisfaction. But yet nothing satisfies, right? Haven't you figured that out yet? I mean, what person place or thing has given you a lasting satisfaction. So now this sin is going to satisfy you? I mean, it it only satisfies for a moment. The pleasure is only for a moment. Yet once we take the bait, the hook is set inside of us and we become entrapped. There's an island in the South Pacific where 
these natives like to eat monkeys, okay? Like whatever, monkey burgers, I guess. You know, I don't know. I've never wanted to eat a monkey myself, but hey, this is an animal. It's on there. Maybe you don't have cows walking on the beach and there's not pigs there for bacon. So they're like, hey, monkey burgers are good for me, I guess. But anyway, they're trying to catch these monkeys. Now, monkeys are hard to catch. Why? Because they're fast. And they, get, they can whip through the trees and they're grabbing branches. And, but you try as a human to catch a monkey. It's not easy. So they came up with this idea because monkeys like warm rice. So they take a coconut, they hollow it out with a little hole on top just big enough for the monkey to get his hand inside the coconut. They fill it up with warm rice. So the monkey would come down. He would smell the warm rice. He'd stick his hand, barely get his hand in there, and he'd grab onto the rice. Then he'd try to pull it out, and he can't get it out because of his fist. Okay, so monkeys are pretty smart. You know, like After a while, maybe they would turn it around around and you hum it down. I don't know, but they stick their hand in, they, they can't get out. Then the guys would come and try to chase the monkeys. The monkey was so greedy with what he got, he wouldn't let go of the rice. So now he's trying to get away with the big coconut on his hand, and he can't, and the guys would catch it, and it's monkey burgers for dinner, just like that. Okay, we kind of do the same thing. We latch on to sin, and we're like, oh man, this is what I want. But it's like, it's going to kill you. You're going to lose your life. Let go of the warm rice and you'll be able to flee. But no, many of the monkeys don't. Just like we, we start going into sin and we hang on to it and it's going to kill us. It goes on to say in verse 15 that sin brings forth death. Death, spiritually. But why? Why are we so prone to being enticed by the things that we know that are wrong. Like, why would I be enticed by something I know God says is wrong? Why do I put myself in the path of being ensnared in a trap? It's because of our own lust. Our lust draws things. You see, the word lust comes, and it means in the original sense, it's a desire. It's a craving. It's a longing for that which is wrong. We all have a lust for something that's wrong. God says, don't do this. You're like, well, how come? Don't, don't you dare touch those cookies. You know, don't, you do, don't touch that. Hey, don't look at that. Look at what? It's like, it's just what we do. It's part of the sin nature. We're drawn to it. Know this, we're all born with it again. But how can we ever get to a place as a Christian to not sin? Well, God in his infinite grace and of his infinite wisdom in working with us as humans that are clueless sometimes, he has given us all a wonderful and great promise. Understand, no matter how fierce the temptation is in your life, oh, oh, you know that feeling, oh, oh, no matter how alluring it is to us, God has given every single believer in Christ the way of escape. He has given you the way of escape. Let me read what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation, not some, no temptation has overtaken you, but which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Wow, what a great promise. He says temptation is going to come. Yes, absolutely. He's not saying there's not going to be any temptation in your life. Oh, you live in Los Angeles? Oh, there's going to be temptation. Temptation 
is a test. It's something that will try to persuade us. It's an attraction that will entice us. It's an attraction that will induce us to do what we know is immoral or wrong. And when that temptation comes, know these three principles with assurance as a believer. Number one, it's common to all men and women. So no matter what you're facing in temptation, no matter what it is, many other people are facing the very same temptation. So it's not unique to you alone, number one. Number two, that temptation is not too big for you. And finally, number three, you can be assured of this. God promises that he will provide a way of escape, meaning somehow, some way, there is going to be a way out for us. And sometimes that escape is simply one of these two things. Here's the two ways that God will always give you to get out. Number one, don't go there in the first place. Don't go where you're not supposed to go. And number two, are you ready? This is a secret. Are you ready? Run. Turn around and run. Get out of there. Hit the exit. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.